Welcome to the Go All In podcast. I'm your host, Robert Bruss. And today on the show, we have Karen Williams from karenwilliams.com. G'day, Karen. How are you today? Hi, Rob. I'm great. Thanks. Let's do this. All right. Hit it. Welcome to the show today. As regular listeners of the podcast would know, one of my favorite topics to discuss is leadership. And today on the show, we have one of Australia's foremost experts on the subject. Karen Williams has been in the coaching space, and she's been looking after corporates, teams, and individuals for more than 20 years. And she has one hell of a goal-in story to share with us today. Now, if this is your first time here at the Goal In Show, welcome. It's great to have you here. And if you're back for more, welcome back. We love our repeat offenders here at the Goal In Podcast. Before we get into the show today, take a little peek at your phone and hit the subscribe button on the app that you're listening in on. And if you're watching this video on YouTube, just scroll on down and hit the subscribe button there. And don't forget to ring the bell. That way you'll always have some motivation and a little bit of Goal In love right in your pocket. Lastly, if you like what you hear today, please share this episode with your friends and your family. Karen has an important message to share. And if we can help just one or two people break through their barriers and get unstuck, then we would have done our job here on the podcast today. All righty, let's get into this. After an unfulfilling career in a corporate job, Karen realized that there was something much bigger than the regular old nine to five calling up. Now, don't get me wrong. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the nine to five, but some people just need to escape. And Karen is one of those people that you would know as a corporate ex- escapee. After a rocky start to her business, a couple of health challenges, and generally a hard time, Karen finally broke through and she embodies everything it means to go all in and never quit. Remember, the only way that you can truly fail at anything that you start is if you quit. And her strength and determination is not only inspiring, but it's actually pretty invigorating. There's value bomb after value bomb throughout this podcast. And I know that you're absolutely going to learn something about not quitting, about going all in and about what it means to hold the line. I'm excited she's here. So please help me in welcoming Karen Williams. Karen Williams, welcome to the Goal In Podcast. It's great to have you here. Really great to be here, Rob. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, it's my absolute pleasure. You may or may not know, I'm not sure how many episodes you listen to of mine, but leadership is the favorite topic of mine to talk about as an ex-military guy and as an entrepreneur and a business owner, leadership is at the forefront of my daily activity. So I'm looking forward to getting into that with you. But before we do any of that, I want to get to know you a little bit and let the audience, the listeners and the viewers get to know you. Why don't you tell us, start off by telling us where you're from? Uh, where I'm from, as in where I live? Or, yeah, where yeah. are you? Where are you right now? Uh, Melbourne, down by the bay, actually. I live in Mentone, so I spend quite a bit of time in the salt water. Beautiful so, part of the world. Uh, enjoy that. It's pretty hot today. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And did you grow up in Melbourne? I did grow up in Melbourne, but I was away for 10 years on my search for meaning, um, just in, in um, Sydney and Brisbane, so I didn't go too far. Um, but yeah, so back to Melbourne about eight years ago when I started my business. I can tell you that there's not much meaning in Sydney and there's even less <laughs> Queensland, the bloody Queenslanders. Very interesting journey. <laughs> it's really interesting how you, you, you moved away, went north and then came back. That's actually not a common story. No, well, look, Sydney was too fast for me and Brisbane, the coffee wasn't as great as Melbourne. So I had to come back. <laughs> too hot in Brisbane for me. It's like the humidity and like constantly yeah. like that, it, that wears me down. I spent a lot of time there and every time I go there, I go, oh, it's a beautiful place and people are lovely and all that. Lifestyle yeah. is good, but just too hot. Some amazing friends in Brisbane. I made some really beautiful connections, but yeah, it just wasn't the city for me. So Melbourne's, Melbourne's where I live. Yeah. yeah. If I, if I had a second choice, I'd probably stay in, I'd probably come to Melbourne as well. You know, that's a, a nice option. Maybe I'll come South at some point in my life. <laughs> like Maybe. I've got a, I've got a whole bunch of uh, speaking events coming up down in, in Melbourne. So I'll be coming back and forth over the next couple of months. Um, but they're, they're North of Tullamarine airport. So it's not really okay. in Melbourne. So it's like a retreat thing that I'm going to speak at mm-hmm. um, to do some stuff there as well, but it will be a frequent thing. I mean, I think I'm, they're on the weekends, um, so I might come down on a Friday and go home on a Monday. So go do, yeah. my, do my thing on a Saturday and hang out with some mates down there. It'll be good. Worth checking out. Melbourne it. has so much to offer. 
It does. It does. I was talking to a mate of mine the other day and then I said to her, excuse me, I said to her, what's on for the weekend for you? And she said, well, you know, Saturday morning, we wake up, we're just going to go down the market, get some fruit and veg, have some coffee, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I'm like, oh my God, the Sydney slider on the other end of the phone is just going to reach through there and wring your freaking neck because like, (laughs) we just don't have that here in Sydney the same way you guys do. It's like, yeah, 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 true. I have family in Sydney and so it's a great place to visit. Um, They have a great life there, but yeah, I love coming home. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful, beautiful. Tell me, uh, how long has it been since you're doing what it is that you do in the space that you're in now? I've um, been a coach for 20 years, which I own that 20 years now. And, you know, it's a long time, but it takes... Are a- you owning that 20 years? And you just came out with it like that. Takes, it takes a while to get good at what you do. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I've been coaching in some form for 20 years and specifically now working with leaders and teams through the space of trust for yep. the last eight years. Right, so it's been quite a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Are you still learning? <laughs> Always, every day. Certainly about myself, as in what's in the way, you know, what's in the way of the next thing. Um, but, you know, I had a breakfast event this morning for women in leadership and I love hearing what they've got to share because it takes the conversation to the next level. So for me, it's like a co-creation, you know. Yeah, so I'm always learning. And, and, and you know, this year, last year was a big uh, breakthrough for me around some new learning in neuroscience. So mm-hmm. that, that was fantastic. You know, just there's always another breakthrough. It, does it still light you up when you do things for a long time and you do the same thing for a long time? You know, new things happen and you're kind of like, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool, but it doesn't light you up. But I just saw you light up then <laughs> yeah. when you did that. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. It still does, right? Yeah. Oh, totally. I, like I'm living my dream. So anything that helps me grow that space, serve better help my clients, you know, create the life they want, then, you know, it's in my blood, I guess. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And we're definitely going to get into some of that in this podcast, but before we do, let's get this go all in craziness out of the way, shall we? Let's, let's do this. People come on over to the go all in podcast to learn more about others that have gone all in. Karen, if you please share with us your biggest go all in story or stories and the lessons that you've learned from your commitment to success. Yeah. Thanks Rob. Um, Eight years ago, I was working in the state government in Queensland and I'd been doing some really incredible work and it was a privilege to work in the youth justice system. And it was in a particular area of facilitating conversations between offenders and victims and something that really connected for me. And I could see the possibility of this work plus my coaching work across you know, a greater scale like business, family and so on. But, you know, there was not a lot of funding for the, um, in the government at the moment, at that time for the program. At the same time, though, personally, I was still looking for my niche. I was still looking for, you know, I know that I can do more than this. I know that I've got more to give. But I'd been through burnout and I was scared and I probably didn't really know it then. I was scared of pushing myself too far and too hard and too fast again and then, you know, taking a dive health-wise. So, and I didn't know how to navigate that space. I didn't know how to have both things. I didn't know how to be well as well as wealthy um, and really contribute all that I wanted to. So, and wealthy in every area of life, like relationships and um, spiritually, financially, all of that. So I was stuck. I felt stuck, even though I'd done a lot of work and I'd had a lot of, um, you know, training, been to, you know, infinite number of seminars and workshops and things. So, yeah, I was just at that place where I had to either sort of just keep sucking it up and going down that direction or um, draw a line in the sand and back myself, even though I didn't know how I was going to do it or how it was going to look. So it was just that, it was just that fork in the road. And I guess, you know, we've had, we have many along the way. I certainly have, but um, there was just no way I was, I was just, I was going to give up on whatever dream it was. that was calling me sort of from my soul or my heart, if you want to say. So I had to find a way and that was why I left that role and then um, came down to Melbourne to start my business. So you're a corporate escapee. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And that was, that was when I was 30, I escaped that world um, and then went on a pretty windy, adventurous journey to learn some more stuff. It ended up back in the state government, but then, yeah, um, had to find my own way in my own business. I, I talk to a lot of people on this podcast about the fork in the road. And that's, that's actually how this podcast came to be um, is I looked at my life and, and how I approach things in my life and I go all in on, on things, but you don't do that every day, right? I don't go all in yeah. and buying coffee in the morning or maybe <laughs> I do sometimes beer on a Friday. Maybe that happens from time right. to time, 
but usually it's like a, a, a decision point. And if I make a decision to do something, I just go for it and I go all in on it like that. So I understand completely what you, what you're going through, what you went through there and what that felt like. One of the things that I've discovered in doing lots and lots of podcasts is that often corporate escapees turn into corporate refugees. And you know, the nature of a, a refugee is you need a lot of help and you need people to surround you to help you to, to get you going and to get up on your feet. Did you have anybody helping you when you escaped the crazy corporate world of, of Queensland government? That's such a good question. And it wasn't the question I was expecting, which is why you do what you do, right? <laughs> um, probably there were, but I didn't ask. Oh, and oops. That was don't, don't do that. If you're listening to this, make sure you ask. <laughs> well, well, and, but, it, but it's, it's a common challenge that we face. And certainly leaders that I work with face is, you know, this armour that we put on and the, we think we need to be strong, whether that's men or women. And we think it's got to look a certain way. And so to ask for help is still considered a sign of weakness, even though we know all of, you know, the transformational type work that you know, people like Brené Brown do mm. around vulnerability and courage. Um, we still know, we still think that it's a weakness. So back then when I was 30, so it's 20 something, 20, 20 years ago, yep. um, no way, I wasn't going to ask for help. I was just going to sort this thing out. Yep. Um, and it didn't, you know, it took, which is why, you know, I talk to my clients now or when I speak at events, it took me 15 years to find a holistic wellness. And so now I serve people so it doesn't have to take you know, yeah. a year or two. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing wrong with sorting it out yourself. Nothing wrong. Um, but you'll get there faster if you ask some other people because there's That's plenty of people so. that went there before you as well. I did a really interesting yeah. podcast the other day uh, with a mate of mine. Um, he asked me to come on his show and he said, we want to, he didn't tell me what it was. He just sent me the calendar invite and I just went, yes, silly, stupid, like whatever, man, I'll rock up, talk about whatever you want. You know, I'm good at this. I like to do it. And yeah. it was about the darker side of business and yeah. about how usually what people see in business is you doing really well. Um, you're very happy. You're very centered, but what they're not seeing is all of the darker things that are happening. And you know, he, he asked, he asked me to relate my version of that. And I haven't never shared that on this podcast before. So I think it's timely to share cause you're, you're sharing your story there. And you know, it, it wasn't always peaches and cream and it, and it's never always simple, particularly when you're starting off and you feel isolated, you feel alone. And what I discovered is if I make a little bit of light of it, if I make fun of myself a little bit, it makes it easier to handle. And it makes the conversation easier to listen to when I don't appear to be taking it as seriously as I should have, whatever, man, and nobody died sort of thing. But I, I, I discovered that business is a game of snakes and ladders. And you roll the dice and I, I had a win and I went up the ladder and I went across and I went up the ladder again. And then I had a loss and I went all the way back down to like number three. And sometimes I get right to the very end of the game. I'm, I've got to roll a two to finish the game and I land, I roll a one, land on the snake and I'm right literally back to square one. And that can be so soul destroying and crushing and stressful and painful and all of the negative emotions that you feel that you never want to feel as an entrepreneur, as a business owner and successful person, um, it, it's really comes to light. Did you have those snakes and ladders experiences at the start of your journey? Yes, like totally. And also I think the snake went further than back to zero. I think it went. Oh, you, went you went off the board, off the table. You, like, <laughs> yeah, I think you I, have a tantrum and throw the board game off the table. <laughs> it's a scramble back to zero. Uh, <laughs> oh, many, you know, talking about wake up calls this morning with a group of women that I was with. And you know, I, I think I've had about five or more wake up calls, you know, where, and I know that that's not what you were talking about, but the wake up call of listen here, there's more to learn. It's okay to fail. What, what can you take from this? Um, because it's not, it's not a straight line. And, um, you know, I, I can see ahead, there's still a wiggly line ahead for me. Mm. Um, and, but now it's a different context. And one thing I learned a long time ago is that the context is decisive and it's a con the context in with, um, which we approach things or, you know, explore or learn or try something that makes the big difference. So the context could be, I'm going to have a go. And if it succeeds or fails, that doesn't mean anything about me. That's empowering context or the context could be if it fails, then I'm a failure. And so that's not an empowering context. So if we choose and aware of the context, then that makes a big difference to that snakes and ladders journey. 
I, I think you, you peg the male, the masculine version of me perfectly when you say that, but the success or failure of something is pegged to me. And if it's not yeah. pegged to me, then it really, you just didn't, it just didn't work. It's no big deal. But because men, particularly this man you're talking to, as a, a bad habit of pegging his identity to what it is he does. If it fails, it's like, oh my God, my life's a failure. But actually, no, it's all right. Yeah. You're, you're good. Nobody died. Everything's like, there's food in the fridge. You'll be all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Try again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly right. So tell me, how long was it before you started to get a little bit of traction with your business? You leave the corporate world, you come back to Melbourne. Uh, yeah. did, you, did you have a, like a base, a place to base yourself? Did you move back in with mum and dad or did you have your own place? How, how did it work out for you? Okay, so I've only recently been telling this story because, again, I can own it. Whereas a while ago, there was shame and embarrassment, right? So I came back to Melbourne. I'd been away for 10 years. I sort of didn't, I didn't have a big network back in Melbourne. So I had no plan, no idea, no network. And really all I had was, a, you know, a borrowed desk, a borrowed computer and um, a, a you know, desk in a walk-in robe with this huge walk-in robe like this office. That's where I started. And I had to pay the bills, so I was you know, chasing part-time work mm. and I was either overqualified or not qualified enough for whatever job was coming along. You know, this is at the age of 40, 44, something like that, mm. 42, 44. So, you know, the time where you think you've got to have your stuff together. Um, so I was battling those demons as well because I hadn't put them to bed fully. And here I was throwing myself into the fire again of you know, looking at um, how am I going to create this, this vision that I see with no, no idea. And, and no um, experience at it. I grew up in a self-employed family. My dad's self-employed and his dad was too. But, um, you know, I'd been, I'd been an employee all my life. So mm. I didn't really have the knowledge or the confidence. So it was rough. It was really rough for a few years. Um, and so many times you can just go, oh, it's not worth it. But it's so worth it, even in those times, because... What I've learned now that I didn't know then, but everyone tells you, but you don't really know, it doesn't always sink in, is you just got to keep going. Mm. If you keep going and you have the contention, you have the conviction, and even if you're the only person that you know that believes it, then just keep going and it will turn around. It will turn around. Okay. So, yeah, it took, it took It me won't a while. fail unless you quit. And it's true. And it's a cliche, but it's true, right? Yeah. I heard once that cliches are that because they are true. They're true. They've got to come from somewhere. <laughs> so... So, so, so tell me, before you chucked in the towel, you, you're working away in, in, in the wardrobe. Yeah. It's kind of like, I love it. I don't want to own that ages ago. That's a funny story. That's a cool story. I can tell it now. Yeah. No, were, was... you, were you embarrassed or were you just like... Oh, I could not own that story for years. Um, it's only really in the, in the last few years that I've owned that because, I, you know, there's still that, oh, I, should be, I should have been better than that. You know, yeah. I should have had my shit together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so how long was it before you actually got a little bit of traction and won a few clients? Yeah. Um, like I had a dribble of, you know, like clients coming in, but I wasn't, wasn't really clear on, there's one thing about having an idea. It's another thing about being commercial with that idea. Yeah. And that was the learning for me because I'm, I've got no shortage of big ideas and I think most people have lots of inspiration and, you know, when we're daydreaming to ourselves, we've got lots of great ideas. But it's the commercialization of that that um, can be the challenge and why maybe some people give up. Mm. So it was a, you know, I think I had some coming in and I tried different things. So I had, but the real traction came probably four, four years ago. And then, you know, again, in the last couple of years, again, the next level of traction. So it was a hard slog for three or four years, to, mm. you know, without no promise, without, without a promise that anything was ever going to happen. Just had to figure it out. And and did you have anybody like the the coach's coach? Did you have somebody helping yeah. you? Did some somebody guiding you? And did you have yeah. the right person in in your corner? I sought out a lot of mentors, coaches. You know, just threw myself into learning. Um, and some of those things. One of the things when I was thinking about coming on today, um, I think is really important about in leadership is just being willing to have that intention. And sometimes you got to try things, and they don't work but doesn't mean that the next thing won't work. Um, and so even if that's, you know, a tough conversation you've got to have or trying the next project, we don't always have to see the full pathway. You know, if we've got, and this is my experience, I'm not just reading this out of a book. Um, we don't have to see that the clarity all the way through. As long as we've got that compelling intention, then, you know, whatever we, if we try and fail, but still have that intention, then, you know, it, unfold, it unfolds in my experience.
Yeah, that's beautifully articulated as well. And from a lived experience, that's why it's so, it comes off so nicely. Thank you for sharing that. I, I wanted to play, play with this, uh, the, the female male thing that we've got here on this podcast, because you'll laugh at this. Um, uh, one, of my, one of my good mates recently, he, he said, probably one of my best mates, he, he said to me, Rob, you've got to read this book. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, man, I, I read heaps of books. What, what do you got for me? And he said, it's called The Way of the Superior Man. And have you, have you heard of that book by anyone? I've read that book a number of times many years ago. And <laughs> I made a big mistake with that book, but I'll tell you about that later. Keep going. I've never heard of this book, right? And, and it wasn't what I thought it was to begin with. And <laughs> I was like, whoa, we're going there, really? And I was really surprised. But one of, the, um, one of the really, you know, it's like anything. You read some things, it has great things in there. And it has um, really stupid things in there and things I agree with. And I just, take, I just keep the bits I like and flush the rest, right? So um, yeah and live my life by something like that. And, you know, maybe the, the, the title is a little bit politically incorrect these days, um, but the intention of it is not meant to be like that. So one of the things that I took away was to surround yourself, a man should surround himself with a bunch of guys that doesn't take any of your shit. So if you're, there's a story in that book, I don't know if you remember, it, it talks about the guy's unhappy at home and he's thinking he's attracted to this woman and he's thinking about having an affair with this woman and he, and he's, you know, he really likes this girl, but he doesn't want to cheat on his wife and it's going all back and forth like that. And the way of the superior man is that you've got a bunch of guys around you that, that say to you, well, what happens if you do that? What happens to your marriage? What happens to your family? What happens to your life? And then the next time you meet up with your mates, you're saying it all again, you're doing the same thing and you, you're thinking about cheating on your wife and doing all these sorts of things. And, they're like, shut up, man. Either go and do it or don't. Yeah. We don't want to hear about it anymore. And the way of a superior man says that you surround yourself with men like you who care about you enough to tell you straight up how yeah. things are. And I'm wondering on the female side of that, do you have friends around you? Did you have friends around you when you first started that helped you like that, that told you straight up like that? Or was it, were you kind of a bit isolated like some entrepreneurs are? Isolation has been a big challenge and I think, look, the honest answer and it would be no, I, I didn't have that. Mm. Um, and I wanted it. Yeah. I, I wanted the, I wanted to be held to account while I was building the muscle of holding myself to account. Mm. And one of the things that I talk to women about, especially in relationships, when women come to me about, um, you know, that one of the areas they want to work on is, you know, having amazing relationships. Um, but what they're doing is really asking me to fix the other person, right? But in their unconscious, that's what's really going on. If only he or she would be that way, then I, you know, then our relationship would be amazing. Um, and so the key word is responsibility. And we don't always, it's a blind spot because we are so, men and women are so responsible to others, to our families, to our children, to our teams, to our organisations, all across our lives. But when we shine the light back on self-responsibility, that's a blind spot there that we don't often step into unless we're challenged. And then, you know, we put all these other layers of stuff like you were sharing about the stories, just get on with it, you can do it or not do it, and mm. then take responsibility for the consequences and, and sort of step up to that. But yeah, we don't know what, I, I didn't have that um, necessarily that network for me. I had beautiful friends that wanted the best for me, but I think we don't all have the skill or learn the skill to have those honest conversations. Mm. So, I, I've, I've yeah. had a similar, I've had that around me. Oh, that's amazing, Rob. What a great idea. You should definitely do that. Make that happen. And then go away and go, yeah. They don't see this. They miss that, or they and yeah. you know they're genuinely not encouraging me, but genuinely giving me feedback. Yes, do that. That's a good idea. Go go ahead and do it. You're on the right track there. I'd tell you if you weren't on the right track. I'd stop you if you were going to make a mistake. And them genuinely doing it, but then then my ego gets in the way and goes, "What do those guys know? And, <laughs> I'm going to do it anyway." Uh, otherwise, otherwise known as hashtag self sabotage. <laughs> I did that a lot in my business. Did, have you have you experienced that? Oh yeah, self-sabotage, that's, that's in my back pocket. Um, yeah, many, many times I've done that. Um, yeah, I think it's important for us to, and, and one of you know, the women this morning, I loved, I loved how you call the BS Karen. That was one of the comments, you know, I love how you say it straight up and, and, I, and it serves people. It's, mm -hmm. but, it, but it needs to be done as one area that I work with leaders is 
do it in a space of trust. If you do it in a space of trust, people will lean in with you. If you're doing it in a space of dictatorship or directorship, then people are going to lean out. Yeah. So it's got to, it's who you're being. Um, and back to the book that you mentioned, the way of superior man is about embodiment and the, you know, who am I being that gives that then sort of um, influences what I say and what I do. So that's, that's the energy we're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and well said, well articulated there as well. I'm really enjoying this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Me too. Really cool. I, I wanted to ask you uh, at what, at some point, you, you've gone all in on this thing that you're doing by yourself, this career change, you're working for yourself, you're doing your thing and life is full of these ups and downs. And at some point, you no longer need a day job. Tell me what that was like. Do you, do you remember that point where I was like, you know what? I actually don't need to do that anymore. Um, it was, but it was a, a leap of fear. It wasn't comfortable. It was, I've got to go all in here. Um, you, had, you had to go all in after going all in again. Well, I did because I was working, doing the part-time thing. And while that was amazing and it was in a registered training organisation, so it gave me a lot of experience and I'm very thankful for that experience around um, coaching leaders in the corporate world. So marrying my two worlds of coaching and corporate, but it kind of ran out, you know, ran out of steam. Mm. And then I just went, you know what, I've got to go all in. Otherwise, I've got the back, what I call the back door open. There's a plan B. And that plan B right there is having me not um, show up and do all I need to do to make this work. Mm. There was a, so, yeah, so that energy about it just wasn't clean. So, so you didn't walk out the door and go, F you, I'm out of here. I just, well, it came to a natural close, let's oh, say. Okay. Um, yeah. And we all, you know, we parted ways and it was the right thing to do. And I just faded it out. And then it was just up to me. And for a while there, there was, a, you know, am I going to pay the bills for sure? Mm. So it wasn't, wasn't this beautiful, you know, looking back, people ask me now, how would you do, how would, how should I do it? And I'm like, keep a day job until you get it to a point where you don't have to do it, the struggle, you don't have to struggle. Yeah. I think we're, a lot of us are, atta- and certainly my, me and my generation are attached to the struggle and proving ourselves and we've got to work hard. That's the badge that we carry to, to earn it in some way. Mm. Yeah. You know, I think in the, the day and age of internet, e-com and just the world that we live in, it's radically different to what it was 20 years ago when, when you and I kind of got into business and started exploring all of these sorts of things. It's just, it's just not the same. It's just different. And yeah. there wasn't so much information out there and things like these podcasts inspire people to take action or hang on, maybe I should just wait a little bit longer until I've got a bit more financial security or I've got proof of concept in that business and I can get it to market and I can make it happen and, yeah. and to do it right. And, you know, that's a sensible way of thinking about it. Make sure you, you keep your day job until you're actually ready to go. Well, because you think of stress and the impact that we know now is proven of stress on the body. You need your body to be well to achieve the result and to do the work you need to do to create success in your business. So why add that extra stress from the mind's perspective that's going to get in the way of that. So if you can do both for a while, then I'm all for that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. It sounds to me like you've taken some pretty big risks in your life by going all in and just doing it and and just going for it like that. And uh, that's inspiring for me to see because not a lot of people have the mindset of doing that because they're quite fearful of it. And even when you take that leap, it's still fearful. And I have a lot of people, I get a lot of feedback from this show. I have like, Hundreds of people sending me emails and messages and private messages and stuff like that. And the common theme amongst all of that, and I was saying that on a previous show that I just recorded, was people ask me all the time, hey, I'm, I'm right on the edge. I'm teetering on the edge of going all in and taking a leap and going for it and making it happen for myself. But I just, I can't, I can't quite get there. I wanted to ask you, Karen, what would you say to somebody if they didn't go all in? And so they were doing two things, like 50% or even 80%. You've got a foot in both camps, yeah. Well, I'd ask them what they want. Mm. I'd ask them, what's the five-year vision? What's, the, what's your heart want? What is a, what's the driver? And you, like I just said, and I don't know if I'm answering your question, but you can have two things going on, but you've got to be all in on both. Yep. can't be half and half you've got to be all in on both and that's not easy either because no other commitments and family and things but if you're going to do anything go all in on on it both um but you know that's pretty tough so i I'd, I'd be i'm always about what's the outcome and work back from there 
You know, so, so, so rather than go, most of us go, well, this is the present moment. How do I fix this and change this and improve this, which is a linear kind of improvement and is slow burn. Or what's the future I'm living into? What's the, where can I find clarity there, inspiration and intention? And then, and then look back to the, the present and go, well, who do I need to become to be this? And then it's that journey is very different to if I'm just trying to improve the past or fix something that I think is wrong. Mm. Very, very, very wise, wise words. And you, and you said something there that I've been waiting for you to say actually is uh, one of my good friends. She's also in Melbourne. Um, she's a coach also. Um, and we have these conversations back and forth about what's happening and where it's going. And she's like, you're so clear on what you want, Rob, you know, exactly where you want to go and you want to do these things and you do that. And I'm like, yeah, I know it's awesome. Right. It's cool. I got my shit together and finally things are working out and it, things have always been working out for me. It's really good. Right. And, and she says to me, well, where do you want to go? I'm like, well, I want to go here, here and here. And I want to do these things and I want to make this much money. I want to do, and I'm like all excited by it. Right. Cause I've, I've taken the time to do the work to think about these things. And she's like, no, no. I'm like, what? No, no. And I'm like, I'm so like, I'm so, I'm such a bloke. Right. And it's so good to have these other women in my life that kind of hold a mirror up to me. And, and she says to me, well, if, if you want to do all of those things and you want to make all of those things happen, who do you need to become to make those things happen? Cause you don't have those things in your life now and you're working towards those things. But in order to get those things, there needs to be some changes within you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm just going to tell him, her, him and him what to do and it'll happen. It'll happen faster because I'll throw more money at it. She's like, it won't, mate. It won't. You've got yeah. to become a different person. Maybe, can, you, can you tell me some more about that? Because I need some help with that. <laughs> so, and I love your friend coach who shared that with you and holding you to account there, right? Isn't she what, right? Like with, <laughs> a, with a bloody stick. <laughs> <laughs> with love at the same time. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, so the becoming, well, there's two pieces I want to say here. We can get stuck at becoming as well, and this is a trap for women especially because we think we need one more thing before we can go to where we want to go. I need one more skill before I apply for the next job. I need one more piece of confidence or one more thing before I give that a go. So that's that piece. But but who we're we're becoming absolutely to fulfil on what we want, but it's now. We've got to become it now, Mm. Not, not like... I'll be there one day and then I'll have what I want. It's like, and the, the, the becoming is a state of being and state of being is determined by our thoughts and our feelings. So when I wake up in the morning, the question needs to be, what does the person I want to become think and feel right now? I've got to think and feel it today such that it evolves. Does that make sense? So you're not waiting until a year down the track that you've achieved your goals that you're thinking and feeling like that person. Mm. That it definitely, am I, am I able to wait for five minutes after I wake up? <laughs> As I get out of bed, I go, oh my God, my back, my knee, I'm so sore from the gym. Now I can become the person I want to become. But that definitely, that definitely makes sense. So I'm not, I'm not being facetious. Oh, I am being facetious. Actually. You, yeah. can, you can keep that um, below the line mindset as long as you like. <laughs> <laughs> we all have it. She, she definitely didn't explain it to me that it's, uh, it's the present-minded feeling of that as well. And, and I think um, as an entrepreneur, it's quite difficult when you've got a, a thousand things going on, there's task saturation, there's more things to do in the day than I have time to do. And then I've got to concentrate on becoming somebody else or acquiring a new mindset slash skill set in order to acquire the goals that I've set for myself and I've written down and I've kind of thought about it. So there's a lot going on in my conscious mind. Is there a way that I can put it in my ears and close my eyes and go to sleep and wake up and feel like I'm making progress. Like what, what's, how do I do it in practice? And that's the hardest part and why most people don't mm. because behavioral change to have, to have that stick and um, whether that's within ourselves or others, it requires three things. It requires immersion in a new, um, like, like, like you're learning a new language. It requires immersion into the content. Mm. Yep. So immersion into being the person you want to be. For example, the next thing is implementation. So you've got to practice it over and over. You've got to be willing to fail. So mm. you've got to try that skill. It's like any sport, golf, football, whatever it is that you're playing, um, any, any kind of skill, cooking, um, learning a new cuisine. You've got, to, you've got to learn it. You've got to implement it. 
and then you've got to become it. And the integration is the last piece. So immersion, implementation, and then integration. That's the when we become it. But you only become it when you actually learn it and implement it now. Mm. Yes? So it's, there's no magic wand, I'm sorry, but there's no magic pill where you're going to take it tonight and wake up tomorrow. However, there is science to prove that that's very positive and that's you know, supportive and powerful. But um, that's why when we go to workshops, when we go to seminars, when we have a great keynote speaker, we're so inspired in that moment. We go, wow, we take our notes and we clap and we're standing ovation. Three days later, that person's life has not changed, that yep. person in the audience. It hasn't. And it's not their fault. Mm. It's just they haven't done the work, which is required over that time to do those three things. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, really practical and, uh, and useful. Thank you for, for sharing that with the audience. That's, that's really cool. I learned something recently, which was kind of um, pretty fun. And I think you'll like this a lot. It's about your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. And um, consciously, you're, there's only about four or 5% of your brain power that's actually being used to have this conversation, to record this podcast and do all of these things. The vast majority of what's happening with you and I right now is subconscious. Our heart's beating, we're breathing, we're doing all those sorts of things. I can't control any of that. It's all subconscious. So if 95 or 96% of what's going on in your body and your mind is subconscious, it's kind of like a, the, the description that I heard, this is the fun part that I really like, is it's like a 600-pound gorilla. And... What do you feed a 600 pound gorilla? Well, whatever the hell it wants, right? And <laughs> it's like, eh, I never thought of it like that. And so uh, the, the explanation goes on to read that your subconscious mind is intuitively there to protect you, to keep you safe. And that's the fight, flight, eat or mate sort of scenario that you've got going on there. So if you can learn to input things from a conscious perspective that don't trigger fight, flight, eat or mate and that goes gently steady as she goes. You can make slow and incremental changes and you can actually change behavior relatively quickly and easily in a way where you're not triggering the subconscious mind to go, no, you're not doing that. Everything's fine. Just right here where you are. You don't need to study that. You can go and watch Netflix. It's all good. And it's just those little behavioral changes that you can incrementally do. And I know that um, often I, I work from home in the evening and often I think I shouldn't work from home in the evening. I need a, need a break. Yeah, yeah, I just watch some Netflix. And then in the morning I wake up and go, damn, I should have done that last night. I got ahead of that curve. And yeah. it's just like, it's my mind protecting me and my yeah. subconscious mind protecting me because I'm feeding that 600 pound gorilla the wrong bananas. The bananas <laughs> are not right. They're off. He doesn't like them. Go and watch Netflix. Yeah. It's a funny thing, right? Well, that's the self-sabotage you were talking about before Yeah. because the, the ego is designed to keep us small and safe. Mm. So it doesn't want to grow because growth is unfamiliar and I've got to become someone that I haven't been before and I don't know what that's going to take and that's scary. So I'll just stay comfortable where I am, even though it's not fulfilling. But mm. we get to a point in life where the heart becomes louder than the head. And unfortunately for most of us, like Dr. Joe Dispenza shares, that it takes a wake up call to actually do something about that. Cause otherwise we'll just convince ourselves that we'll do it one day. Yeah. Yeah. So it just one day never comes right. Some day never comes until, well, until the wake up call yeah. and then we, and then we either choose to take notice or not. And then they just get louder usually. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, have you, have you had some of those wake up calls in your entrepreneurial journey? For sure. Yeah. Many, 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 and mostly to do with health. Um, you know, and it comes back to taking care of self. So, um, yeah, for sure. I had a health journey and um, took a while to restore myself after that and lots of learning through that. So, yeah, I think we've got to, I think listening to ourselves is really important and um, we, don't, we don't do it because we don't learn to yeah. do it. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I don't think I've had a, a, a big smack in the face type wake up call. I've never really had a health challenge in my life other than waking up in the morning going, oh my God, I feel like I'm 190 years old. But once I get going, I'm all right. Yeah, and I'm going to the gym, I train, I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine. It's, um, yeah. That's okay. But so it's really kind of hard for me to articulate and understand how that feels for me to have those health challenges. But I have spoken to a lot of people that have experienced those things and I can definitely empathize with what that's like. For me, I've just learned to build um, tolerance and I think there's a difference between tolerance and resilience. And one of the defining factors for me as an entrepreneur, I believe, is if someone ever asked me, you know, what does it mean to be an entrepreneur? Some, someone will say, oh, you know, it's the, the Wikipedia definition. You put your own capital at risk to try and make more money and blah, blah. But I, I really believe that 
it's how much you can tolerate and how much of the negativity that you can tolerate. And the more that you can tolerate, if you get on the other side of it, you build resilience to that. So the next time that thing comes around, you're tolerating a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And I think by very nature of being in small business and trying to make your way in the world as an entrepreneur, you learn to tolerate things that otherwise would not be required of you in normal society. And that builds incredible resilience. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting use of words. I, um, I have, I, I probably would, if, for me, it's, if, if tolerating includes feeling, mm then yeah, I'm all for that. Um, as opposed to you know, what often we do is resist. And that what, that's, can be what causes the, the tension in, inside, of our, inside of ourselves. So um, I don't use the word resilience only because for me that's a kind of a push energy word and I know that that's not what's intended by it. Um, but I totally on board with you around the strength and the awareness of what that takes and being able to hold what I would say, hold space for, which is the same as, I guess, tolerate, hold mm. space for the challenges and be with those challenges and navigate them with presence and awareness, as opposed to, you know, putting the head down and just forging forward because then that's, that's going to cause stress. Mm. Again, my, my coach friend says to me, you've got to learn to put words of feelings around those things that I'm like, I don't have any feelings. What are you talking about? <laughs> no feelings here. <laughs> Robots don't have feelings. <laughs> but she kind of holds that mirror up to me and I giggle. I'm like, yeah, you're right. But at first I like, I resist like so hard and I deliberately resist. And she knows that I'm going to resist. And I think she does that to kind of poke the bear a little bit. <laughs> and you probably do it to, you yeah. know, get yeah, her as well. Yeah, yeah. It's funny having a mate that's a coach and yeah. she's coaching similar people to me and in all that leadership space and stuff is similar to yours as well, which is really interesting. Well, Karen, thank you so much for, for giving uh, the listeners and the viewers a little window into your go all in story and uh, a little bit of your knowledge and wisdom and information. I want to move off that now and just ask you a little bit about your business and what you actually do. Where can people find your websites? Karenwilliams.com, right? Yeah. Karenwilliams.com um, is where you find all my information. Um, I'm on Instagram at I am Karen Williams. Perfect. And um, a little bit of Facebook, but mostly LinkedIn. So um, because I work in the space of leadership, working with large organizations and senior leaders. So, so what's the ideal client that you work with? Like a big organization, what does that look like? 500 employees? Look at medium to large and, and corporate. So definitely small business, not usually because they don't have a lot of budget. You know, it's more of a nice to have for them when they're looking at that space. When they get to a sort of medium to large, then they're looking at, well, how can we, develop our people more. Um, so, so uh, yeah, so LinkedIn, I share all my IP and, and my work is in the space of accountability, collaboration and alignment and building that through trust and emotional intelligence. So, yeah, that's where they'll find me. Tell me about alignment. I think that's really important. Yeah, so for the alignment really, there's multi layers there because it's alignment with self, self, you know, our own values. Um, alignment can also relate to you know, how we um, energetically show up every day and whether we're present and can own our stuff. So we can own when we make people wrong. We can own when we blame. We can own when we're below the line. Um, we can own when we're scared. So that really for me is that alignment. And then alignment with um, teams. So I work with senior leadership teams in creating alignment and unity. And that's really about real conversations and being willing to have that conversation that we might otherwise avoid. Mm -hmm. So it goes to the very heart of what you do in uh, corporate culture and company culture. Yeah. Um, and what, what do you do? How do you handle it when you come into a workplace that has some challenges? You know, I don't want to, I don't want to say a toxic workplace, but sometimes there's challenges in, in an environment where there's a draconian manager or leader or boss or something like that. How, how do you handle those challenges? Yeah. So um, usually the, a leader is seeking um, some sort of, um, development program for his or her people and once we've had a conversation they can see where it might need to be need to sit so that's usually with the CEO decision maker with the senior leadership team and then with the layers um, and that's the one-on-one -on -one coaching usually with the exec team and then um, group programs with the the levels the manage, middle management and so on um, but how I approach it I really for me it's about finding out the pain. Where, where is it not working for them? 
how is that showing up? So if their people aren't holding, holding themselves accountable or taking ownership, mm. what is that, how does that play out? But then as we get deeper into a conversation, they realise that potentially their senior leaders aren't holding their people accountable because they don't know how to, they haven't been skilled up to do that. Mostly what we do, leaders and managers, the biggest challenge is how do we hold people accountable in ways that build trust? Because most either go in and try and control those conversations and make things happen um, because that's how they, uh, they go about doing it themselves. So they try and sort this of... Guy. Exactly. Try and tell people, <laughs> just do it, right? Yeah. Um, so there's that extreme. And then the other extreme is what I call the nurturer, which takes things back from people. Let me do it. I'll do it for you. Or they overcompensate. Mm. Um, and both, is, both are disempowering both for the leader and the team. So it's this um, place of what I call partnership that um, is around the emotional intelligence space. And that's where when leaders start to understand that, they see what's missing in their business. Do you do like EQ quoting assessments and things like that with the people? Yeah. yeah. So do behavioral profiling, emotional intelligence, 360, and that's feedback from all levels of um, around those people, around the team, around the leaders, um, and also a 360 feedback tool. Yeah. And have folks encountered those sorts of things before? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I work with people and they've done, you know, their whole life has been around doing behavioral profiling, but there's always a new level and they get things out of the coaching and the training that, I hadn't seen before, which excites me because I know even though they've done a lot of years of it, that's like, I can't wait for you to work with me because you are going to go to places you haven't been before. Yeah. Only because I've done the work on myself, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and what, what about the, you know, I don't want to say the teacher, but when you're coaching somebody and you're taking somebody through the EQ assessments and you're working with them in a one-on-one scenario, what, what do you, you, you must learn so much about yourself in the process of doing that, like your communication piece. Sometimes I, I know that I, I leave passing instruction to somebody or communicating with a client or something. And just think, or I've written something and I look at it again and I go, man, I just, I could, my communication skills need so much work. I'm a really good communicator because all I do all day is talk, but I, I'm still forever learning. What, what about you? Are, you? are you constantly learning like that? Well, I live in the space of um, behavioural profiling, so um, I, I, I would hope to think that I've got some strong self-awareness given the work that I've done over the years, but yes, I'm always learning. And I'm always, and it's the unconscious because I know my gaps, but sometimes I don't catch when they play out until afterwards, <laughs> right? like, what you, like what you were just sharing. But um, when, we, when we're not, we know our strengths, we can own them. And when we know our gaps and can own them equally, then that's, for me, that's a space of real influence and power because there's no apology there. I don't have to pretend I'm something that I'm not, that I'm scared that I'm not. That's where a leader becomes extremely influential and can then allow their team to own their gaps. And in that space, we can have some honest conversations and then get to work on what's missing or, or hire for that piece that's missing. So those are the bits that um, you know, wake people up and have them understand um, where are their gaps? So yes, I do have gaps. I'm always learning, but hopefully, hopefully I've got some level of understanding of myself. Yeah. And, and sometimes when I'm in workshops, so my, my, one of my gaps is the, the facts and figures. So if I had my way, I just talk big picture concept all the time. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, Oh yeah, dream, dream, dream. Um, but you know, when I've got people in a training program that are high compliance, let's say, or high detail and facts and figures, I've got to remember and be really conscious about bringing that in or else I lose them. Yeah. So that's something, that's a muscle I'm always working on. Yeah. Interesting, right? You've got to compensate for those parts of your personality that are not natural. You've actually got to bring them to your conscious mind and deliver on those. Yeah, for sure. Karen, are there some podcasters, maybe some authors or some people that inspire you in and around the leadership space? Yeah, I'm so many. Um, I was thinking about that before I came on because I thought you probably asked me that question. And I did and you haven't got it in front of you. <laughs> Is there a leadership book that you've read recently that, you, that really sticks out for you? I'm really into Dr. Joe Dispenza at the moment and the connection between mind-body and um, how our thoughts create our behaviour and actions and how that then translates into results. Um, and so his book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself or Becoming Supernatural, because um, I'm... Um, a real advocate for meditation as well. Mm-hmm. And so 
understanding what's driving us, bringing it to awareness and then being able to change it. So he's deep in that space and leading edge. And I'm, I'm about leading edge. Um, I want, I want what's new in the world. So he's who I'm consumed with at the moment. Nice. Um, before that, you know, Brene Brown's work, I use her work in my programs because it aligns beautifully with what I do. And who um, doesn't like Brene Brown, right? People you like know, she's gorgeous and she tells a great story. Yeah. yeah. An amazing storyteller. So she's good. Um, and, you know, David Deida, who wrote The Way of the Superior Man, um, his work I've, um, sometimes I touch on when I'm working with men one-on-one. So I work with um, men and women one-on-one and um, men usually come to me for something around business, but it always turns to life, right? Because <laughs> you can't separate the two. Yeah. And it's a privilege because I never profess to tell a man how to live his life or what it's like to be a man, but to hold that space and to coach their um, is one of the things I really love for senior men in leadership. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably, I could listen a million more, but I'm always on YouTube. I'm always listening to different things. Yeah. Are you familiar with Jocko Willick? No, I'm not. So Jocko, I'll I'll send you some stuff and and the regular listeners of the show know that I reference Jocko's stuff all the time. So Jocko's an ex-Navy SEAL. um, So he's an ex-military guy like me. um, And he wrote a book called Extreme Ownership. And extreme ownership is pretty much what it says. And it's some of the things that you said before, you know, you've got to take ownership of all sorts of things. And I, I guess the pretense of, of it, you know, without, I'll, prob- I'll probably bugger this up, but the pretense of him creating that was uh, a friendly fire incident that happened when he was the commander of some troops in Iraq. And the, the boss came around and said, right, who, who shot the guy? And the guy put his hand up and said, it was me. Um, and he goes, and there was a whole big investigation, of course, right? Because somebody was killed. And who was to blame for it? Well, it wasn't the person that actually pulled the trigger. That's what happened. And he, and he killed the guy on the battlefield. But Jocko kind of stood up and put his hand up and he said, you know, it's my fault. I lost control of the circumstance. I lost control of it. And the whole book is kind of based around that kind of scenario and that. And if you know his backstory, watch his TED Talk. He talks about that. And you read his book. It talks about all of the other things that happen in there. And it gives you the lessons of extreme ownership. And it's really, it's a really interesting thing. I think you'd really like it because it kind of highlights all the same challenges that soldiers face on a battlefield. But when you're in the military, everything's just amplified by a magnitude of a thousand, right? Because you're talking about people's lives. In the corporate world, nobody's ever going to die. But, you know, losing money and things going wrong is just as serious. Um, in some cases, more serious because it affects more than just one person. So uh, it, it's a really good book. But over time, it was quite interesting what happened. Over time, people would take extreme ownership to its nth. It would be too much extreme ownership. Extreme ownership is too much. And, and him and his oppo, they wrote another book called The Dichotomy of Leadership, which is you can lean too far to the left or you can lean too far to the right. You've got to find some balance in the middle of that. And it's really interesting. The challenges that you face in the military and leadership are quite, quite similar to the challenges that you face in life not just in business, but we all face the same challenges as human beings. And if you're leaning too far in one direction, that's what can actually cause a lot of problems. And I'm wondering, is that something that you see in corporate Australia? Do you see too much, too many lefties or too many righties? Or is it kind of about, is it about right? Because I, I hear all sorts of different things. People hate where they work. Oh my God, my boss is a tyrant. And people are like, oh my God, I, worked, I was talking to a guy yesterday for about 40 minutes. Best working environment ever complete autonomy so much money so much support i'm like damn that sounds like awesome but that's opposite to the last person i spoke to like, <laughs> yeah. weird for me and you, you're the you're the cold face of that you've seen that with businesses all day every day yeah so blame culture is rife in business it's my experience <laughs> um and but we don't know that we're, we're doing it and right. so it's not like we set out to do that i think all you know, most, nearly all of human beings have good intentions. I really believe that we all have the greatness within us. And so that extreme ownership, I'll be interested to hear the too far because my, one of my distinctions is 100% responsibility. Mm. And that's, you know, what I believe is that we do this 50-50 dance. You do your bit and I do my bit and it should all turn out. Well, to me, that's BS um, because that we're just putting each other on the hook then and waiting for someone else to go first before we give a bit more or we take more ownership or we make something happen or, um, you know, speak up and say something that's not, not okay. So I'm a big believer in the hundred percent responsibility, but um, 
what happens is is that in business that people don't feel safe to take 100% responsibility. Yeah. And so Simon Sinek, as you probably know, talks about the circles of safety. Renee Brown's work is around that. And that's the piece that I got from the work that I did in the youth justice system, um, bringing offenders and victims together. Because when you create a safe space, anything's possible inside that safe space when people are willing to lean in and have the real conversations. So part of my work is some mediation and conflict resolution as well because we need to get people to a place where they feel like they can put their hand up and go, you know what, this isn't working. I'm failing. I know you expect me to know how to do this, but I don't. And not feel like they're going to be judged or ostracised or not feel like they want to come to work tomorrow. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm an advocate for 100% responsibility. I don't know what the flip side of extreme ownership is yet, but I guess when I get your book, I will. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, yeah, so that you know, that's my experience. It's not, and and people don't know it. That's all, and it slows business down, which is why within Stephen Covey's book, The Speed of Trust, he talks about how obviously how trust speeds business up. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I use the speed of trust um, methodology all the time. And when my brother and I, when I was working with him in the digital marketing agency, which I've stepped out of, we uh, you'd have to hire a freelancer to solve a problem, right? And you would find somebody straight away on, on a freelancing platform that was never an issue. You'd find the right skill set. And you, you're about to kind of like type on the keyboard. You've hired them. You're about to type on the keyboard and give them the keys to something that I just spent $200,000 building. And I'm like, uh, hang on a second. Check <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And my brother would go, speed of trust, Rob. Speed of trust. He's not here to pull the thing down, steal the IP or dump. He's here to fix that little piece of code. He'll fix that piece of code and he's out of there and that's it. Yeah. But you don't know what that person on the other side of the planet is doing. Is he screenshotting? Is he copying it? Is he putting something in there? What's happening? And yeah. the reality is you've got to have, if we had to go through the motions of checking every single little thing there along the way, nothing would ever get done. So speed of trust has been a big thing in my life. And yeah, that's interesting. Great example. Because for me, trusting others is a foundation um, or an expansion of trusting self. And so for me, self-trust is the anchor that, you know, like the home we come back to each time. And if we aren't willing to trust others, for me, that's a reflection of the gaps within. And I didn't know what self-trust was for a long time. I didn't until about mid forties or early forties, I learned that it was actually a thing. Um, and you know, it takes it takes a lot, you know, my experience to develop the strength in that. And when we can, when we've got a home base to come home to um, within ourselves, that place of self trust, then we can surrender more into trusting others. Doesn't mean it's easy, um, and certainly I'm challenged by that all the time. Um, but yeah, I think I don't think you can have really full trust or practice full trust with another if you aren't practicing it within yourself, or at least have some sense of that within yourself. Oh my God, that's just like such incredible wisdom from the, the <laughs> Jedi Grandmaster on the other side of the Zoom call here. Thank you for sharing that, Karen. If there's some Australian company corporate directors and CEOs listening, and I know that there is people like that that do listen because I get communication from folks like that and I'm like, oh, I didn't know those folks were listening and that's kind of cool. Uh, what, yeah. would, what would you say? How, how could you help them? Let's, let's plug your little business here a bit. So what I want to say is, that it's okay for things to be going wrong. It's okay for things to feel like, even though you've got all the boxes ticked, that something doesn't feel right on the inside um, or your people not, might not be responding in a way that you expect them to or that you think they should or you'd like them to. And applying more force won't change it. Applying more force won't help. So it's just learning the skills. Anyone can learn the skills. Um, it's not a magic trick. It's not something you're born with around emotional intelligence and the ability to build trust and hold people accountable in that space and build a great business that thrives on ease and flow as opposed to more struggle. So, of course, there's going to be challenges. Of course, there's going to be stress. But we don't want to add more to that. So the forcing is just adding more to that. If we can learn the art of influence and it's really about nuanced skills, then that's what's going to help you. Oh my God, I think I've just bought the service right there. <laughs> <laughs> Applying more force has been the motto of my life. So I'm going to immediately stop doing that. And thank you for giving that little piece of wisdom in, in, to me in this podcast. Personally, I appreciate that. Pleasure. Thank you. Karen, it's been uh, 
one of the funnest podcasts that I've done of 2020 so far. And I've done about <laughs> already. Can you believe it? It's not even February. Um, I've really enjoyed riffing it here with you for, for nearly an hour, but I can't let you leave the Go All In podcast without putting you in the Go All In podcaster's hot seat. You ready to go? I'm ready. <laughs> right, this is something a little bit random, a little bit of fun. I encounter so many different people on my podcast. And one of my uh, favorite things to do in the whole world is to travel. And I always like to ask people, What's your favourite holiday destination? Maybe there's some gold in there for me. Well, on top of my wish list is Antarctica. And where my favourite place I've been would be Spain and Italy. Um, but, yeah, I, I swim in the cold water through the winter. So I'd love to – my dream is to pop in myself in the water in Antarctica at some point in the future. Very nice. So. My mum went to Antarctica recently. That was on her bucket list and she Amazing. went down there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what's there? Do I know what's there? Mm. Ice? Nothing. There's well, nothing. I I'm not really interested in seeing the animals. I'm actually wanting to see the icebergs. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's the photos, the, the landscape photography she's got was like, yeah. that's, un the scenery is spectacular. Yeah. And But the animals, there's not as many as you might think. And when she yeah. kind of recounts it, it's like, yeah, there was some penguins, there was some aquas and some... Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was little. It's not like a nature documentary that you watch with David Attenborough. They spent nine years making, you know. Like, yeah. But it's still pretty, pretty specky and pretty. Good specky. on her for going. It's fantastic. Tell me about Spain. I haven't been there. That's on the list. Um, Spain was a beautiful experience. Um, but I found that I spent a couple of weeks in Barcelona, a long time ago, and then went to Costa Brava and did a bit of a trip on my own. And that was part of the journey of, you know, finding myself. I found that I went, spent five months in Europe and two months in the States and I wasn't, didn't find myself over there. I was going to so, say, did you find anything in Spain? Did you find yourself? Or? No, no, it's not there. <laughs> not over there. Um, so, yeah, Spain was beautiful. Barcelona, probably one of my favourite. Um, yeah, so it's more holidays in the future now that the business is um, not in survival mode. For the Very last nice. Years. Very nice. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that one. Tell me, Karen, what's a, what's a skill that you haven't mastered yet? Any skill to do with business or anything? Any skill. That's a pretty nice one. Uh, one that I haven't mastered, I never will, is cooking. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't ask me. There's some brutal honesty right there. I can do so many other things. I just can't do that. <laughs> We've got this thing called uh, like Uber Eats, yeah? We've got this other thing called Delivery Room. Yeah, exactly. Blog. No, don't worry about it. <laughs> I heard a quote the other day. Someone, oh, I, can't, I can't think of who it was. You know, if you don't want to spend your life in the kitchen, don't learn how to cook. I'm like, Simple okay, cool. Yeah. I can own that now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. That's extreme ownership right there. Exactly. <laughs> All right, last one for the podcasting hot seat. What's the, uh, what's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received? Best piece of business advice, um, bring substance to your, to your intellectual property. Bring, bring multi-layers to um, how you communicate an idea. Not just like we are talking about before, you know, you're sharing about this is how I'd write an email, then you go back and look at it and go, hang on, I think I need to add some stuff so other people understand it. Matt Church is one of my mentors and he's written a book on, um, on this whole idea of expanding your thinking. So that's one been a big opener for me around um, reaching more people and being able to serve more people in a way that they want to be served rather than how I want to communicate it. Mm, beautifully said, beautifully said. I love that. I mm. love that so much. That's awesome. Okay, Karen, if uh, people want to connect with you, let's, let's remind the listeners and the viewers, what's the best way to do that via LinkedIn? LinkedIn. Um, I am Karen Williams, karenwilliams.com. If you go there, it'll just have all my links and um, on Instagram as well. So that's where you'll find me or pick up the phone, give me a call. Let's have a chat. Old school. <laughs> exactly. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this podcast on your phone, just take a little peek at your show notes and all of the links to Karen's website and her socials will be right there. So you don't have to go digging around in Google for them. If you're watching this video on YouTube, just scroll on down and they're right there in the show notes. So nice and easy for you to find there as well. Karen, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here on the Goal In podcast for an hour or so. I can't let you go without giving, without getting a little bit more of more wisdom from you, really. Have you got a parting comment for us? I think the piece I want to leave people with is have an intention, have it be clear and compelling, make a choice every day to live into that and be okay with the gap and don't make the gap wrong. Oh, yeah. What a way to finish. Thank you so much, Karen, for coming on the Goal In podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. I look forward to speaking with you soon. It's bye for now. Thanks, Rob. Pleasure.
Well, there you have it, folks. If you want to connect with Karen, just take a little peek at your phone and all of the links to her website and her socials are right there. And if you're watching this video on YouTube, just scroll on down and the details are right there in the show notes as well. If you've got a message or some feedback for the show, you can reach out by the Goal In socials and you can send me an email at any time. Just visit goalin.com.au to find out more. Well, that wraps it up for the show today. So whatever it is that you're working on, whatever you're doing, get busy, get to it and go all in. I'll see you next time. Painting that makes you proud